Welcome to Deutsche Bank's Martin Market Podcast, so we're level set with global business leaders on vital topics that we're facing today. And now over to your host, Mark Fedorsik, head of the Investment Bank, in conversation with Ajay Banga, president and CEO of MasterCard. Ajay is considered to be one of the leading CEOs of his generation. Let me give you a couple of statistics because we're all numbers folks. Under his leadership from 2009 to 2019, MasterCard delivered a 13% annual compounded revenue growth and a 16 times increase in the stock price. He has repositioned MasterCard as a leading technology company in the payments industry, accelerated global growth, and as importantly, prioritized social inclusion, a topic we will go deeper into in the conversation in the moment. Ajay is passionate about social development issues, diversity and inclusion, purpose and meaning, pay equality between women and men, and financial inclusion. And he's balanced all of these issues while winning financially as a company, but by also doing good. He is co-founder of the Cyber Readiness Institute and is involved in numerous other councils and organizations to champion international business, U.S.-India strategic relationships, cybersecurity, and more. He has served as a member of President Obama's Commission on Enhancing National Cybersecurity. He also received the Ellis Island Medal of Honor in 2019, awarded to a select group of individuals in recognition of their accomplishments in their fields and service to the nation. Ajay, thank you very much for taking the time today to join us. So I guess two questions, if you can comment. Where do you think we're going in terms of the, what the future of work looks like? And can you tie that a little bit to one of your comments about e-commerce and some of the spending patterns, which I think will be very interesting for everyone on the phone? Sure, sure. So the future of work, I don't yet know uh, that I can make a pronouncement for you like, you know, 70% of our employees will be working from home in the future. I'm just not there. When I look at our employees and our engagement surveys, you get the following two kinds of responses. And by the way, this is true of all the direct-to-consumer surveys we are doing globally as well. The first response is, thank God I can work from home. And actually, this is easier than I thought. And then a few weeks later, it begins to get to, boy, this is stressful, mostly because their bosses don't realize that one Zoom call to the other is quite tough on an employee. And they don't get any time off because they're backed up back to back. And their work and home and personal boundaries have completely merged in a way that even the hardest uh, working investment banker or a young analyst is not used to. And I think that is an interesting challenge for most employees that comes out a little later in the cycle of working from home. I do believe, and by the way, I'm not discussing the future of work in terms of AI automation, gig workers and all that. I think that was a topic that was happening pre-COVID. I suspect, Mark, your question is more directly related to the COVID timeframe kind of discussion. Although I'm happy to go to the other one if you want. Correct. But my, my general sense is, Companies that were not flexible in terms of allowing employees the ability to come in late, leave earlier, work from home X days a week because of all kinds of circumstances, from childcare to elder care to whatever, those will change forever. Because I do believe that employees are going to demand flexibility 
of a different type than what they were used to getting even earlier. In companies like ours, where they had that flexibility, and 20% of our employees used to work from home even prior to COVID, or would in any case be coming in late or leaving early for all kinds of reasons, the, I still think even in our case, the number will move up beyond that. But at the end of the day, creativity, ingenuity, human interaction, social interaction, building of relationships, all that is deeply dependent on physical interaction. And if you already had prior relationships with each other and with your clients for a long time, I think you can tie it over some period. But if you're a new entrant or you're getting introduced to a client new or XYZ, that kind of thinking, then I don't know that six months from now you will be as relaxed about working digitally as you might be right now. So I think that this will change and evolve. I think office spaces may change along with the flexibility. And I think locational requirements for certain jobs might change. And a hub and spoke model might become quite flexible as compared to a large corporate office in one location in a city. And so I think there's some less dramatic changes that may happen as compared to, oh, 70% will always work from home. And I think the same connects to travel for business. It is clear to me that if you look at China and if you look at Japan and if you look at the countries in Asia that are coming out earlier from COVID-19 than all of us might be, that travel for business has recommenced. Right now, it is shorter travel. It is domestic air travel, train travel, selected corridors between China and South Korea and the like. But, but I do believe that business travel actually will come back to some level. You may not fly all the way 18 hours to Singapore to do a two-hour meeting, or you might, but you may not feel the pressure to do it as you did in the past. But I don't think that the relationships that are built between a bank like Deutsche and its clients are quite the same done digitally. And so my general view is I wouldn't jump to a conclusion on, on the future of work being all remote. I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that it'll come right back to where it was pre-COVID. I think the answer lies somewhere in between. And the most important thing for leaders will be to be flexible with their employees on understanding how their mindsets are developing and going with it a little bit, kind of going with the flow while creating guide rails and rules of how you'd like to see your institution come back. Your e-commerce uh, question is connected in a way. Uh, during the crisis, of the peak of the crisis, um, e-commerce was all there was because online spending is all there was for a consumer to access lots of things to do, aside from going to their grocery store, which we all went with trepidation, wearing masks and gloves and being careful of your neighbor. But so e-commerce became easier. Uh, we can already see in markets that are opening up that the ratio between e-commerce and physical is beginning. The pendulum is beginning to swing back a little bit towards more physical transactions uh, coming back into play. Now, will it go back? Well, in the United States, pre-COVID, e-commerce was 9% of retail transactions, 85 actually. Will it go back to 85 Probably not. Will it be double that? Probably. That's a pretty dramatic shift. But it won't be 55%. What is changing is things like contactless transactions with the Apple Pays, Google Pays, and contactless cards. That has taken off and today is 55% of transactions for us globally. 
that are with a card or with Apple or Google or one of these, 55% are contactless enabled. That, by the way, is seriously up. Even in the United States, which used to be at 5 6%, that's at 50% right now. So that seems to be another change that's happening. Will it stay at 55? Probably not. Will it come down to 30? Probably. Will it go back to 5 in the U.S.? Probably not. Ajay, can we, can we switch? I want to keep moving along the conversation, and, and we have to talk about the unfortunate events that occurred in the U.S. over the past few weeks, but, but impact all of us around the globe, and that's both uh, race and diversity. Can you comment on what diversity means to you, how these areas have shaped your career and personal experiences, and, and what are you focusing on now? Uh, so, I mean, for me personally, I'm diverse, right? I'm a Sikh with a beard, and I stick out 100 miles in, in most American audiences of CEOs. If you come to, you know, uh, yesterday, for example, we were told we've market cap. We're now the number 14th company in the world. When I joined, it was 480. I promise you, whether it's number 480 or number 14, in the room I go to, there aren't too many others who look like me. So the challenge of diversity for a guy who himself is diverse is how do you speak about it in a way that includes white straight men as well and doesn't just appeal to the audiences who consider themselves diverse? Because I actually think the magic of diversity is not rewarding somebody who looks different just because they look different, but it's because of what they bring to the party. They bring different experiences. They bring different knowledge, they bring different education, they bring different ways of thinking, they bring different comprehensions of human society, they make you richer by their presence around you. And so around me, I surround myself with people who don't look like me, who didn't come from the same backgrounds as I did. I didn't come to MasterCard and bring a bunch of my old Citibank colleagues to come work with me here and replace the management team with them. Because to me, when you do that, you're actually surrounding yourself with people whom you are most comfortable with, and diversity requires you to embrace the differences of people, to harness the collective uniqueness of people, to find ways to make that more than the sum of the parts. And I think that's the magic of diversity. And if you can embrace that, whether you're white, black, brown, or yellow, whether you're a woman or a man, lesbian or gay, or whatever you are, then I think the magic of diversity is the geometric progression it gives to your own capabilities because of this. That's what diversity means to me. And I would hate ever to be told that I got my job because I looked different. Because then my personal pride in my abilities would be impacted more than anything else in the world. And I will leave the job I'm in, as will any self-respecting woman or black guy or anybody else. And I believe, therefore, that the magic of diversity is to give people a level playing field, to put your hand on their back and not in their face, and then let them run, because they will win when they're allowed to run. Mostly what happens in non-diverse situations is you put a shackle around their ankles. That doesn't allow them to run. You let them run, they will win. And that, to me, is the power and the magic of being of embracing diversity. Now, in the United States, I mean, the last few weeks have just been horrifying. And my belief is there is no place for racism 
or discrimination in any country, in any community, in any company, in any of our hearts. That I believe in deeply. And I'm telling you at MasterCard, above all, the one value we stand for, what we call our decency quotient, is acceptance. But the problem is that systemic racism is not new in the United States. It is a long-standing problem. And all you're seeing right now, I think, is a new awareness and a new dialogue and a new energy. And maybe we will cover this a better place. But even the world, as you said, is taking notice. And George Floyd and the death of him and others, I think there's a, there's a global conversation on racism that is beginning to happen. And I feel that's really, really important. We can all do things in companies, close pay gaps, provide level playing fields, enable management teams to look better, do all that. And we've all got to do that too. Our management team hasn't got the diversity I'd like it to have. But it's not just the input. It's not, it's not enough to say I'm making the effort. It's measuring the output that's going to matter. And I think that is what I'm focused on, whether it's for people, whether it's for the markets we work in, whether it's for the societies we participate in, my passion around financial inclusion is connected to this. But what I've asked our investors and our board is, and our employees of me is, I ask to be judged on what I get done, on what I accomplish, not in my words. And I think that's really important. Well, the... Your, your term, which stood out to me, and I think a lot of folks on the phone, is the magic of diversity. I think hits home, and, and we will, and we will continue to all strive to be more diverse and inclusive. So, I mean, your comments um, speak for themselves. We greatly appreciate it, sharing those insights. I mean, we all strive and need to continue to push ourselves to become more diverse, more inclusive business lines, companies, and ultimately communities. And one of the lines that stood out, and I'll repeat it to everyone, you know, allow people to feel the hand on your back, not in your face. Your comments were spot on. Ajay, we greatly appreciate you taking the time and, of course, the relationship with Deutsche Bank. Thank you, Mark and Sandeep and Christian and all of you. I, I am deeply grateful. I really appreciate the chance to be able to speak about this. And thanks again for listening to me. Great. Thank you very much.